I mean, Oklahoma, to me, in my lifetime, has had the best collection of signal callers in my lifetime. But I think about what Oklahoma's had at that position. I mean, when the seventh best guy you had was Landry Jones, and he's like the all-time leading passer at the school, Oklahoma would be top of the list for me. Hello and welcome in. It's always college football. I'm Greg McElroy, and today is April 12th. We are middle of spring it's been great weather is starting to turn it's starting to get hot everywhere still have some showers but we have some spring games coming up this upcoming weekend we had some spring games last weekend had a couple rainouts more that we'll evaluate here down the road but today we're going to take a break from spring evaluations and look a little bigger picture if you'll just allow us to indulge we're going to go through and at this point we felt it appropriate to go through QBU, running back U, wide receiver U, tight end U, and offensive line U. Let's stay on the offensive side of the football, and let's just go through some of the great players of recent years in the college football playoff era and determine which schools reign supreme when evaluating them against the competition in the category. We'll go line by line on that, and we have a terrific mailbag question today that involves some group of five discussion. There are some teams that are on the move, one team in particular moving from Conference USA to the American that I am very, very bullish on. So let's not waste any time. Let's get to the QBU discussion, which I know is going to fire you guys up out there in the Twitterverse and in the YouTube comment section. It's that time of year where you always want to have these debates. You start thinking about what's coming. We're kind of at the midway point right now where you're in spring, but you're looking ahead, but you're also looking back. What's departed? All those other aspects of it. We've done our spring previews. We've talked about players that are going to be entering into the program, whether they're there or not. So we're at that time right now where you're at a perfect mix of both past and future. So we figured it'd be really appropriate to have a nice discussion about who's QBU, who's running back you, who's wide receiver you, who's tight end you, even though the only reason tight end you's on there is because our producer is a diehard Notre Dame fan. Anyway, we're going to dive into some of these, and I'm not going to necessarily rank them, but I wanted to lay out some examples of players. And I think, too, it's very important to make sure when we are recognizing QBU, running back U, et cetera, it'd be easy to allow NFL success to impact our view of these potential universities. I think that's really easy to do because you look at it, it's like, well, you know, that guy didn't pan out in the league. Like, how good was he? Well, he was a great college player. He was an unbelievable college player, but maybe it didn't work out in the league. And maybe he just didn't become the player that they always thought. He was destined to become, or maybe he just wasn't big enough. And there are plenty of guys that were great college players that ended up not doing a whole lot in the league, and that shouldn't have an impact on whether or not you're considered QBU. Now, I'm not adding Jason White into the quarterback list for Oklahoma. Why? Because we're doing college football playoff era only. So this is from 2014 and beyond. Fair enough. Let's have the discussion. QBU, the first school that came to mind would be Oklahoma. How could it not be? You had consecutive number one overall picks. You've now had Jalen Hurts, who's gone on to have a great NFL career, but was a great college player as well in the mix for the Heisman Trophy. And 
then you started to think about it and I'm, I'm looking there and do you get any credit for Caleb Williams? I, I don't think you do personally, but to each his own. Do you get any credit for Spencer Rattler? I, I don't think you do, but to each his own. But you do get credit for Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield. What I also found surprising is that in the playoff era, those have been really the only guys for Oklahoma. They've been steady at the position. And if, I, even though it felt like they had a lot of turnover, it really wasn't as much as I anticipated. Whereas other places had a bunch more guys that had started for them and had ultimately gone on to have great success. So Oklahoma in the mix, but those are the three that would be under consideration. And you look forward, man. I mean, Jackson Arnold, five-star quarterback that everyone's excited about. Of course, he hasn't stepped foot on the field just yet, but I would add him in the mix as another reason why Oklahoma would be viewed by some as QBU. Let's move on to Alabama, a place that for a long time people said, well, they don't really get great quarterbacks. They have everything else, and the quarterback is just going to manage the game. Not really the case in the last handful of years. You think back over the course of the playoff era. Blake Sims, Jake Coker, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavaloa, Mac Jones, and then ultimately Bryce Young. Pretty good list when you take all that into account. Of course, you have two guys that went in the first round in Mac Jones and Tua Tungavaloa. I'm not necessarily going to give them credit. If I don't give Oklahoma credit for Caleb Williams, I cannot give Alabama a ton of credit for Jalen Hurts, even though you say they're not one and the same. Fair enough. It's fine. Claim if you want. Don't claim if you want. But I put Jalen Hurts under the Oklahoma category. That's where he finished his career. And doesn't mean that Bama fans can't claim him. I just, I have him right there under the Oklahoma category. But still, I look at Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy winner and two first round picks. Bryce Young's ultimately going to be a first round pick coming up here within the next couple of weeks. And you sign a couple great quarterbacks in this past signing class as well. Eli Holstein being an example of that. Guys coming in, have some guys on the roster that you feel pretty good about. Maybe Jalen Milrose the guy. Maybe Ty Simpson's the guy. Alabama, I think, especially if you take into account the last six years, they're in a great spot to make a claim as the, I guess, QBU of the playoff era. Moving on to a place that traditionally would have been at the top of the QBU rankings, the USC Trojans. Now, that has not necessarily been the case of late. They've had only two guys get drafted in the playoff era. That would be Sam Darnold and Cody Kessler. Surprised me as well, if it surprised you. Understandably so. I'm not, like I said, not going to be getting too deep in the weeds about, you know, if JT Daniels gets drafted out of Rice, SC doesn't get to claim him. Sorry, you just don't. Uh, all those guys under consideration. Caleb Williams, of course, Heisman Trophy winner, first round pick, and Sam Darnold, Cody Kessler was a really good college player as well. So three high level quarterbacks, and now you add a top 20 quarterback nationally in Malachi Nelson. So got to feel pretty good about what they're going to be in the future as well. And as long as Lincoln Riley's there, the quarterback position is going to be just fine. If there's one thing we've learned about Lincoln Riley is that quarterback will always be playing at a really, really high level. Ohio State would also be in the mix. You think about what they've had. CJ Stroud will be a first-round pick. Cardell Jones was drafted. Dwayne Haskins was a first-round pick. And Justin Fields was a first-round pick. So three first-round picks, four draft picks, and they just pick up a recruit in the 24 class and Aaron Nolan, the guy that everyone seems to be very excited about. Some others that would be on the list. Those would be the tops, the most obvious, but some others that were also on the list. Maybe some guys that you might have forgotten about. I don't think you forgot about Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. Need I say more? Probably not. Pretty good shape. 
with those two guys at the top of your class. But here's one that you might have forgotten about in the college football playoff era. How many of you would have thought, you know what? Maybe QBU's Oregon. Bo Nix might very well become a first-round pick this year. But you couple that with the fact that they have a Heisman Trophy winner and Marcus Mariota and Justin Herbert. And you'll say, well, Justin Herbert, how good was he when he was at Oregon? Uh, I would argue he was pretty dang good. So you look at Oregon. They would be a team that wouldn't necessarily be at the top of the list, but probably worth noting just how good they've been. And then maybe the most surprising team that actually has a case for QBU in the last seven years. What do you make of North Dakota State? And you're going to say, well, Trey Lance didn't, didn't play that much football, but hey, he became the third overall pick. And when he did play, he was pretty impressive there a few years back for the Bison. Easton Stick obviously won a couple national championships, was an NFL draft pick as well, an excellent, excellent college player. And then, of course, before both was Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, of course, has gone on and had a bit of a journeyman NFL career but you look at what he did when he was at North Dakota State, he was in a lot of ways unstoppable. So don't sleep on North Dakota State as being in the conversation for QBU. Now, would I put them with the aforementioned three or four? Probably not, but worth noting that they've had some great players at that spot in the last handful of years. All right, I got to ask you then, McElroy, if you have to pick one, I mean, you laid, I love the North Dakota State, by the way. I didn't even think about that one. But if you're laying out one right now, laying claim, heading into the 2023 season, who do you think is QBU? I don't feel like I necessarily have to lay claim, do I? Or do I have to decide? I mean, Oklahoma, to me, in my lifetime, has had the best collection of signal callers in my lifetime. And that, remember, we've talked about this. Any football that happened before 1998 doesn't exist in my world. It does. I say it obviously with a little bit of tongue in cheek, but I think about what Oklahoma's had at that position. I mean, when the seventh best guy you had was Landry Jones and he's like the all time leading passer at the school, Oklahoma would be top of the list for me. You got Jason White, Sam Bradford, Landry Jones, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Uh, I mean, and, and it felt like even Trevor Knight had his moments. I mean, there were uh, a bunch of, Examples of elite level quarterback play for the Sooners from the time that I was most impressionable in 2002 all the way through 2023. Oklahoma, to me, feels like they have the best claim, at least in the last handful of years. They certainly have that as well with a couple of Heisman Trophy winners and the number one overall picks in Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Running back you, this one is a little bit easier for me to gauge. Now, you look at some of the schools that would be in the mix. There's a few that would be more obvious. You know about Alabama. You know about Georgia. You know about LSU. You know about Ohio State. But a lot of people probably not necessarily thinking about what Wisconsin was. I mean, Wisconsin with both Jonathan Taylor and Melvin Gordon, that's a one-two punch that can go with just about anybody. And then how about maybe the sleepiest of sleepers, as it relates to North Carolina. Now, Giovanni Bernard misses the cut because he did not play in the playoff era. He was drafted in 2013, so he narrowly missed this list. But Ty Chandler, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, TJ Logan, Elijah Hood, all played football for the North Carolina Tar Heels. So they'd be a sneaky one that you wouldn't associate with the aforementioned four. 
Alabama leads the pack with nine draftees in the playoff era. Brian Robinson, Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Derek Henry, Heisman Trophy winner, Kenyon Drake, TJ Yeldon, and Justin Fowler. Those are nine guys that have been drafted in the last nine years at running back for the Crimson Tide. They reign supreme in my eyes as it relates to the running back you designation. Najee Harris, of course, maybe as accomplished as anybody in Derrick Henry, excluding what he's done in the NFL, but what he did alone in 2015, it was a season that I think everyone will remember as being one of the most dominant at that position in recent history. Georgia would also be in the mix, though. You think about what they've had recently, the one-two punch of James Cook and Zamir White, both of which were drafted. Had honestly forgotten about DeAndre Swift, but just how incredibly versatile he was within the offense. He was a dynamic weapon. The one-two punch that was Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Good luck stopping those guys. Keith, Mitch, uh, Keith Marshall, of course, alongside Todd Gurley. That right there, that collection of eight guys, pretty dang special and can go with anybody in college football in the last handful of years. And then LSU was another team that would come to mind. You get a first-round pick in Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Obviously, Leonard Fournette was a tremendous player at the college level as well. But you couple that with what Darius Geis did, some incredible seasons there at LSU. Tyrion Davis-Price and Kenny Hilliard, five draftees for the LSU Tigers. One that surprised me, looking at Ohio State, I thought they would be more well-represented when looking at the running back situation. Running back, they had Trey Sermon, J.K. Dobbins, Mike Weber, and Zeke Elliott. Of course, J.K. Dobbins and Zeke Elliott, that's all you really need. <laughs> if, you, if you just end the list at that, but those are some pretty big-time names, but only four draftees in the playoff era was surprising to me, especially given how good that run game's been for the last several years. I've already mentioned Wisconsin. I already mentioned North Carolina, but I think right now with where... All those guys, what all those guys did at the college level, it'd be hard for me to put anyone above Alabama when it comes to running back you. How about the sneaky one I just looked at? Florida State. That's a pretty good one since then. Carlos, I mean, on the field, the production hasn't been there, but the running backs, you know, you have Devontae Freeman, Carlos Williams, Cam Akers, Delvin Cook. Yeah. Is that a sneaky one? Is that like on the level of Wisconsin for you or, or, or just below? Probably. I mean, it's obviously a little situation specific. I mean, Wisconsin backs and Jonathan Taylor and Melvin Gordon, probably a one-two punch that can go with anyone. But if you look at the depth a little bit, I mean, you take Cam Akers and you take Dalvin Cook. I mean, those two guys were pretty sensational in their own right as well. So Florida State would, would definitely be a sneaky one, but they're not that sneaky. When it's Florida State, nothing's ever sneaky with me. Like It's expected that you're going to have an elite running back. And they've had one. Now, look at Trey Benson, and they've had one for as long as I can remember. So not that surprising that they would be in the mix as well. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, moving on to wide receiver, the premium Donna position, but it's okay. We love them nonetheless. Ohio State leads the pack right now. 10 wide receivers drafted since 2014. They've had two first rounders, Jackson Smith and Jigba, likely to join those first rounders this year. And what they have on the roster, <laughs> you're probably going to have two more first rounders next year. So, you look at five first-round wide receivers potentially in a three-year span, assuming Marvin Harrison, assuming Mecca Ibuka, both go in the first round next year. You're looking at a pretty nice contingent of quality weapons, plus two top 100 wide receiver prospects in the last cycle in Noah Rogers and Carnell Tate. But looking at the draftees, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, ridiculous. KJ Hill, awesome in the slot. Parrish Campbell and Terry McLaurin, great speed. Curtis Samuel, really crafty in the slot. Noah Brown, that big body wide receiver that unfortunately got hurt in his career. So his college career never really became what we thought it had a chance of becoming, but has since turned into a really good pro for the Dallas Cowboys. Michael Thomas, at one point, maybe the best free receiver in the world. Braxton Miller, obviously a converted quarterback that moved to the wide receiver position, uh, an elite athlete, just a game-changing weapon, Devin Smith and Evan Spencer. So you look at the 10 guys that have been drafted for the Buckeyes in the playoff era, clearly a lot of really high-quality pieces, especially when you take into account what they have on the roster right now and what's coming onto the roster this upcoming season. LSU would also be in the mix. When you look back, Odell Beckham misses the slot by just a little bit. He, of course, an elite, elite player at the college level, but didn't play in the playoff era, so he misses out. But when you have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to go along with Terrace Marshall, who had great, great length on the outside, and Racy McMath, that's four draftees just in the last handful of years. Couple that with DJ Chark, Russell Gage, and Malachi Dupree. Clearly, LSU has a roster of wide receiver that could go with just about anybody. Kayshawn Boutte will be drafted this year. It's just a matter of where... And then Jalen Brown's a top 100 wide receiver that will be playing for the Bayou Bengals here in the years to come. Alabama would also be another team that would be in the mix. 10 wide receivers drafted since 14, seven first round picks plus a Heisman Trophy winner. No receiver coming out in this draft. It's expected to be at the top of the draft board, but they did sign a top receiver in the upcoming class in Jalen Hale. Jalen Jamison Williams, first round pick. John Mechie, second round pick. Jalen Waddle, first round. Devontae Smith, first round. Henry Ruggs, first round. Jerry Judy, second round. Calvin Ridley, obviously a great player. Ardarius Stewart, really great player when he was drafted to the New York Dreads as well. And then Amari Cooper, uh, a guy that was remarkably productive throughout the course of his career, but only played one year in the college football playoff era. But 10 players from Alabama and that wide receiver room definitely gives them a very strong argument when looking at the possibilities of them being at the top. A couple of off-the-grid notable mentions. USC, 
maybe not as strong as they've been in the past, but Drake London, Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Nelson Aguilar gives them a seat at the table. And then probably the biggest wild card of them all, the Ole Miss Rebels. Elijah Moore and A.J. Brown, of course, in the last couple of years, D.K. Metcalf in the same time frame as well. But Laquan Treadwell at one point was as consistent a wide receiver as you had in college football there at the beginning of the playoff era. And Cody Core on the outside, too, another guy that was drafted. So five draftees for the Ole Miss Rebels with more likely coming down the road. I will be a little shorter on these two positions, not because we don't love them, not because we don't appreciate them, but there's just fewer teams that would be under consideration, (laughs) especially with where we've transitioned. There's great debate to be had with wide receiver, quarterback, and running back. There's great debate to be had. I just don't feel like that many people are going to have big time debates about who's tight end you. Maybe George Kittle and Zach Ertz will wear that tight end U shirt. Fair enough. You can have that. But man, to me, tight end U is a little bit difficult to predict. Now, you look at what Notre Dame's had. They've had six tight ends drafted since 2014. We know Michael Mayer is going to be a first round pick. We know that Notre Dame is in the mix at tight end U. They definitely have a strong argument to be made. But let's also take into account what Iowa has as well. You got Sam Laporta, who I think is one of the more underappreciated gems in this upcoming draft. And as a reference to a moment ago, you already got two tight ends that have been first rounders in the last handful of years, including four that have gone in the playoff era as well. So Notre Dame and Iowa would be two teams at or near the top in the conversation of tight end you, others under consideration. I feel like rinse and repeat. Right now, how can you possibly exclude Georgia, right? Georgia, based on what they currently have, what they have coming in, what they've had in recent history, Georgia's going to be in the mix for tight end you. Brock Bowers alone can almost carry that mantle. He's a great player. Darnell Washington's likely to be an early draft pick in this upcoming draft, but they still have Oscar Delp there that's going to be a valuable piece. You still have uh, a handful of others as well that seem to be reinforcing that position group every single year. So Georgia would be one of those in the mix. You have uh, a couple other spots as well, kind of across the country for tight ends, guys that have been excellent players. Michigan has had a deep run of tight ends in recent years. I think Penn State in recent years has had a couple of really good tight ends. So there's a bunch in tight end U, but the conversation isn't as clear cut as of right now, based on where they're at and what drove their offense at times last year, Georgia might be the team to beat, but certainly as referenced, Alabama, Penn State, Michigan, you look at at what Iowa's had and we see what Notre Dame's had, all teams that would have a nice strong claim as tight end you. And then finally moving on to offensive line you. It's a little bit about what do you value? Like at your best, who is the best? Because there's so many players that just litter the draft every year. And there's so many guys that get drafted just because they wear a specific jersey color. They're like, oh, well, that guy played with great players. He must be great. We'll take him. And then he ends up not being a great player, right? Or whatever it may be. And like I said, this is not about NFL prospects. It's about how good were you at your very best. And to me, the best offensive lineman I've seen in the college football playoff era is Quentin Nelson. 
And he played at Notre Dame. And you look at what Notre Dame's had for a very long time. They've had nine offensive linemen drafted. They've had four first-rounders. Likely to have one mid-round pick this year, interior offensive lineman Jared Patterson. So you look at what they've had for a while now. That's been a really solid group in the playoff era. But in recent years, the last couple, Michigan, back-to-back Joe Moore awards would be a difficult group to unseat. Alabama has two Joe Moore awards to their credit as well. Alabama's had 13 players drafted since 2014, including four first-rounders, including Amelia Ikior, who's likely going to get drafted this year at some point in the very middle of the draft. And then Iowa has had three first-rounders, six offensive linemen drafted since 14 as well, including you know maybe the best center of the playoff era in the last couple of years as well. So you look at it, the, the offensive line game to me, the draftees to me aren't necessarily an indicator of the bigger picture. With offensive line, I look at them more less about the individual. I know that that's not really what QBU and wide receiver U, like you always want to go off the individuals, but offensive line is a difficult group for me to differentiate when trying to assess the bigger picture because I want to look at it and I want to know who are the best units. And the only group that I trust with that is the Joe Moore Award because I know every single one of them, well, not all of them, but I know just about every single one of the people on that list it's only been around for a few years since 2015. So it's not like this is a really long process of being able to evaluate. Alabama has two. Michigan has two. Notre Dame has one. Iowa has one. LSU has one. And Oklahoma has one. So if I'm looking across the board, it'd be easy to go on off- offensive lines as far as individual sheer talent is concerned. But I don't think that's the right way to approach it. Who won the Joe more the most is how I'm going to go with it. And the teams that have won it the most are Alabama and Michigan, including Michigan, who's won back to back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, like we always try to do, we want to get into the mailbag. So let's dive in. We've been getting your questions. We really appreciate your involvement. Continue to hit up the show, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. It helps us out when you send those in. We have a laundry list of questions that we're going to get to here over the course of the offseason. So we're picking them out a little at a time. Coops, where are we going today? 
All right, this one is a good question. Comes from Adam in Louisiana. Asks, who is the G5 team that you're looking at this spring that could be the Tulane of the 23 season? Well, let's start with Tulane for a moment. Now, I don't, I don't expect them to just, you know, dive off a cliff and, and to return to mediocrity. I, I'm, I'm having a difficult time forecasting that, but it's impossible not to acknowledge the departures of some of their offensive firepower. You lose Ty J Spears, who was an excellent running back. You lose a couple of really good wide receivers in Shea Wyatt and Deuce Watts, and you lose your tackle in Joey Claybrook. So they lose some pretty good pieces on that side. And then you lose a couple of really significant pieces in the middle of that defense with the two linebackers departing and both safeties departing. So I think you look at what they did in 2021. I was two and 10. What they did last year, they were 12 and two. You know, I think they probably fall somewhere in between that, obviously. But I would probably have them more in the 7-8 win range than I would the 12-win range yet again. Now, Michael Pratt is back, and they do have some new coming additions that should help fortify the depth. But I think the AAC is going to be really strong with some of the newcomers, and life might be a little bit more difficult for the two-lane green wave. Part of those newcomers, the UTSA Roadrunners. Now, UTSA returns 15 guys, including their quarterback, for a seventh season. Frank Harris is back. They're making the transition to the AAC, but you look at what they've done the last two years. They're 23 and five in the last two seasons. And they do have to have a new play, a new play caller. They lost Will Stein to Oregon and Matt Maddox was hired as the offensive line coach for Purdue. So they do have a little bit of, of turnover within their staff, but they do have some really solid pieces that they'll have to lean on, especially on the offensive side. Now, they lose a lot on the defensive side, and they lose a bunch on the offensive line. But UTSA is one of those programs that I expect to continue to play at a high level, even though they're going to be stepping up in competition when they move from Conference USA to the AAC. A couple more teams that I want to make sure that we acknowledge. James Madison last year had a remarkable first year in the FBS. They seem to have already built, even though it's their first year at the highest level of college football, it's their first year to really break through. And I mean, you're talking about a team that beat Coastal Carolina 47-7. Talking about a team that beat Appalachian State. Now, they weren't eligible for a bowl game, but they bring back a decent amount on defense. And that defense was really stout last year, especially against the run. Now, they go do... Virginia, you go to Utah State, they host UConn, so they have a couple of games that are against quality competition. But James Madison would be one of those teams that I only expect to continue to excel as they make this transition and continue to recruit Sunbelt players there to James Madison. A couple others that would be on my list, Boise State, finished 10-4 last year quietly. Taylor Green seems like a great piece of quarterback that you can really build around. Air Force, Last year, 10-3, and three, you know how it's going to work. They bring back a lot of experience and good depth on both lines of scrimmage. And if Air Force has quality play at line scrimmage, they're going to be a handful. And then finally, Western Kentucky, who maybe not quite as good last year as they were the year before. Bailey Zappi to Austin Reed. Well, now you're with Austin Reed yet again. He spurned opportunities in the portal to remain at Western Kentucky. So another team in the group of five that I would be paying some close attention to this offseason. 
All right, great show today. Really have enjoyed the conversation and just kind of looking back a little bit while also looking forward. So when we do our QBUs and all this other stuff, and a lot of people can look back, right? We can look back for a generation and say, well, back in the 50s, we had this guy. Fine. Like I think keeping it to a confined era of football is our best path forward if we continue to do that. And maybe when we get to a 12-team playoff, Maybe we'll do that 12-team playoff era and look back at the best because the eras are almost difficult to kind of jump between because the offenses look different, the systems look different, the world is just different. For instance, you could tackle eligible wide receivers back in the 40s, so having a quarterback you from the 40s or a wide receiver you from the 40s for that would be a little bit difficult to discern. So it's fun to have those conversations. I like to limit it to a little finite period, and that's what we did. Today, if you disagree, hit us up in our comments section down on the YouTube page. While you like, rate, and subscribe, it helps us out and it helps the show out. You can also follow the show on Twitter at AlwaysCFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. So that's a great, great opportunity for you to interact with the show. And we'll be, as best as best we can, we'll try to interact with you via our social media. You can always email the show too if you want to be part of our mailbag or be part of a future show at AlwaysCollegeFootball at gmail.com. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey, guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.